my dad was an amazing, hardworking man. And I picked up some of his good traits, like the persistence, the perseverance, the, the, like the grit, the hard work. But I also picked up some of his bad habits and some of the bad habits where he never asked for help and he never found a coach or a mentor. He never had any partners. So I, I kind of indirectly picked up on that. And for the first 10 years or so of my career, I thought like that. I don't want to have a partner. I don't want to have a coach. I don't want to be mentored by anybody. I don't want to have anybody else. And I don't want to ask for help. So much so that I never, ever borrow money for my business. So that limited my growth. Welcome to the Level Up Podcast. Our goal is that by listening to our podcast, you will be inspired to level up. With the help of some amazing guests, we'll be inspired by some inspirational success stories and find out how you can level up your business, your life, and your relationship with yourself. Because I know that by leveling up and balancing these three aspects of your life, you can make a difference and impact the lives around you. Level Up Podcast will be a series of interviews featuring successful professionals who are making a mark and a difference in their lives and others. They will share their incredible stories of how they did it, so you can be inspired and learn from the very best. So, well, first of all, thank you so much, Carlos, for um, giving me the opportunity to, to have you on board. This is an amazing opportunity. I got to meet you not too long ago, but it was... Um, Great connection. I feel there is so much that we're going to be able to learn today from you. I'm super excited that you make the time. So welcome to the podcast and we are ready. Thanks so much, Bertha. I'm so excited to be here. It's always great to share my knowledge, my insight, my story. So I'm happy. Let's get started. Absolutely. And I'm super excited about this story because as, as soon as we started talking and connecting, I was like, oh my God, this people need to hear this. This is something that a lot of people need to know about you, and I know you have a huge influence in the business of uh, multi-units, so I know our audience today are going to learn tons from you. So first of all, let's start up with who is Carlos, where is he from? I know you already talked to me about it, but I'd love to be um, able to share with the audience where are you from and, and share us a little about your beginnings on the U.S. Thank you. Yes, so I came to the U.S. at 17 years old the first ever in my family. I'm originally from Quito, Ecuador. And, uh, you know, my parents grew up. Um, my dad was especially very, very poor in a little town in Ecuador. My mom lived in the capital. They met in their 30s, got married, uh, had us. But I think one of their desires was always to give us a great education. So they sacrificed a lot for us to go to a school that will teach us English. So we grew up bilingual by being in an American school in Ecuador. And my dad's dream was always for us to end up in the U.S. So throughout our life and our childhood and when we were teens and everything, he always said, guys, you got to go study in the U.S. You got to go find an opportunity. And it came from a place where he had friends that he had gone to school and high school in particular, that as soon as they graduated high school, they came to the U.S. and and on the surface, it looked like they were doing great because, you know, when people come from one of our countries to the U.S., they never tell you that they're struggling, right? They're like, oh, man, it's great here. It's great. We're making all this money and they're sending money back, right? So it seems like this, this idea, but sometimes the story over here is not the same. 
But anyways, so I grew up thinking that the U.S. was the best country in the world and that the American dream was possible here and opportunities. And I'm glad I believed that because when I got here, that was what I expected. I expected a place where everything I worked hard for could be achieved. So I went to college. I went to college in a small college here in Pueblo, Colorado. I live in Denver now. And it was called back in the Times University of Southern Colorado. Now it's Colorado State Pueblo. And a small town, right? Very good for studying, not good for partying or anything that kids in college do these days. So that's what I did. I got two degrees. I got a, an undergrad in business. And then I got a master's in engineering. And uh, one of the things that I did right away is I worked. Because my dad said, Carlos, you have six months of tuition. After that, you figure it out. So as soon as I landed, I was like, what can I do to make some money to pay for my tuition mm -hmm. after the first semester is over? And I started. So what was your first job? Oh, my first job at school was in the catering department. The, the, the catering department oh. at the university was busy doing weddings and events and, you know, awards and galas and stuff like that. So I was one of the guys that in the beginning was a busboy cleaning up after the mess till four in the morning. And then I had to be in class at 8 a.m. And later on, I, 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 I got promoted to a waiter. I got promoted to the, uh, to the, the, the guy that supervised the staff. And then at the same time, I ended up working in the international studies department, uh, talking to, to international students trying to pitch him to come to the to the college. So I did a little bit of everything in the five years that I was at the school. And also, I started my what I would call my first business here in the US, which was the college was buying a lot of printing material, like flyers and brochures and postcards and booklets. And my dad had a small printing company in Ecuador. So I had this amazing idea. And it was a crazy idea. And I said, Hey, what if I can sell the university the printed materials that my dad is making in Ecuador? So I, yeah. I made friends and built relationships with the dean and the president and the vice president. And I volunteered my time in their office to, so that just to get to know them, right? right. And eventually I got brave enough to say, hey, uh, my dad is a printer in Ecuador. Would you mind me if I give you a bid for these brochures that you're printing? And they're like, Carlos, you know, we have our printer that we've used for 15 years. Uh, I don't know if you can ever beat their prices or, or their quality, but send it. So I talked to my dad. I said, hey, dad, look, we have a big shot of this. Let's, let's, let's make him some samples. Let's, let's bring, throw me a box with everything that you've made so that I can put it in their office and also give me a bid. Anyways, it took me a little bit of time, but eventually I convinced them to give me one job, which was like brochures for the International Studies Department. And that was my first sale to the university. So after the first job, I did so well that they gave me another job and another job. And eventually that business plus the, the, two, the two actual jobs that I had paid for my university for the rest of the university. And, uh, you know, my parents didn't have to support me after that. So that was kind of my first business, my first jobs here in the US. And, uh, you know, after that, I think it gave me enough confidence that I could figure things out. And I think if I have a message for the audience today is that, look, you don't need to be perfect at anything. You don't need to be the best at something. 
you just need to have enough confidence and belief to figure how to do it. Don't get stopped by a challenge, Absolutely. by a difficulty, by an obstacle. Right. Just about how do I, I overcome? That. Yeah. How do I how do I attack this challenge? Who do I recruit to help me? How do I go around it, over it, through it? But there's something at the end of uh, at the other side instead of walking the other direction and giving up. So right. that was my beginning. You know, you of that is amazing story. See, that's what I'm telling you. We needed to hear the whole the whole beginnings of Carlos because it's it's amazing how a lot of times we see the the success now and we're like, but you know, it was easy for him. But not until we start talking and getting to know how was the beginning of everything. Most of the most of us will realize that, like you said, it was not easy. There were challenges. There were things you needed to overcome, and there were things that you need to be patient with. Um, you you mentioned yes. you had to wait volunteer you know start somewhere and that's the one thing that i think that you you just nail it with you know don't give enough but also sometimes being patient and waiting for the right time to be able to take that you know step on asking for for the business or asking for that opportunity that sometimes will open up doors that allow you to go into that next um, project and and you said it perfectly then from one took you to be the into the bigger project so so school then again working through through school graduation what was yeah. the next step for carlos after that that period so of, of time i graduated i graduated from from college uh with my business degree then they told me hey carlos we have this program that you could finish your master's degree in a year instead of two and you already wow. took all the math so they sold me on getting a master's degree in a year instead of two. And I was like, what is it going to take? Well, you have to do 60 hours of credits. And I'm like, wow, I have two jobs. I have a little business on the side, 60 hours of credits. And of course, I'm like, let's do it. So I, okay. I did it. Yeah, I was like, all right. I mean, it, I, I didn't get want to give up the chance because in my mind was like, wow, I can do it in half the time half the cost right because it was only two mm -hmm. semesters uh, two semesters of tuition instead of four right so i went for it got the got the master's degree in industrial engineering and then after that i thought i was going to go back to ecuador and work for my dad in the printing company and i called him up i said dad now that i graduated what do you think i go back and run your business and he's like son you know what i think i'm going to retire next year i think i'm going to sell the machines I think I'm gonna I'm gonna sell the business. I'm gonna just keep the real estate because he had built the little industrial complex where his business was at, and I'm just gonna live in my okay. farm. He had he had uh, gotten a farm, which was a crazy deal for him. He traded a Ford Bronco for a five acre farm back in those days, which I wish I could do that today. But he was he was a deal Yeah, he made a deal. <laughs> the Bronco's in the junkyard right now, or or in pieces. The farm's still there. <laughs> We, we still own it. Um, so anyway, so, you know, he tells me this and I felt a little bit rejected because I was like, I, one of my dreams was to go be with my dad, right? My hero. Because he was my example, my, 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 you know, the person that I admire the most in terms of work ethic and persistence and perseverance. He was a cancer survivor three times. And uh, one time he lost it all because he had to cover his medical expenses with the stuff in his business and then build it all back up. So I wanted to go be with him. But you know what? I think he was wise because 
first of all, he didn't retire next year. It took him another 10 years <laughs> to retire. So he lied to me. But I think in <laughs> wisdom, he said, you know, these kids have a much better chance in the U.S. And by that time, my brother Ricardo had also joined me um, in college. And he's three years younger than me. So I was his legal guardian for, for a little bit until he turned 18. And then he also graduated just a couple of years after I did. And, um, you know, we, we went to California. And the reason we went to California is because I heard that in the Silicon Valley, the tech companies were paying a lot of money for these engineering jobs. So I was like, you know what? Let me go try my luck. So I went to California. I interviewed with a few. And then one of the ones that I wanted to work with was Hewlett Packard because my dad was a printer. So I was like, oh, I want to work for a printing company. And I went in. And I applied and they said, Carlos, I'm sorry, we're only hiring experienced engineers. And I'm like, experienced wow. engineers, like, I don't have experience. I just graduated. Well, you need to have at least three to five years of experience. So I'm like, what else are you guys hiring? Well, we're only hiring mm -hmm. interns. Interns, really? Wow. Uh, how much do you pay? Nothing. I'm like, sign me up. So I started... <laughs> <laughs> I started as a free intern at Hewlett Packard because I was like, look, I just need a chance. All I need is an opportunity. You give me an opportunity, I will be the hardest worker that you've ever met. I'll be the first one in the door. I'll be the last one out the door. I will help you with projects that, that are not even my job. I'm going to be flexible. You know, so I knew that if they gave me a chance, I could prove myself. And that's all I've needed all along. Just give me a chance to prove myself. So sure enough, yeah. they hire me as an as a unpaid intern, probably thinking, oh, this, this guy is crazy because he has a master's degree and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. You, you, if, if you want me to serve your coffee, you, I'll serve your coffee. I don't care. I get in there. Six months later, they're like, Carlos, okay, we're ready. I thought they were going to fire me. I was like, we're ready for what? We're going to offer you a junior engineer position. I'm like, oh, my God, thank you. Yeah. So I get the junior engineer right along those days. Uh, the, the Silicon Bubble tech bubble, uh, the Silicon Valley tech bubble was kind of growing. So all the startups starting offering like stock options and, and go work for the Internet companies. And a lot of the engineers at HP actually took those. Because it was, it was wow. more salary, stock options, basically the promise of making a lot of money quick. And a lot of right. engineers yeah. jumped the ship. So that created a lot of opportunity for me. I also got a couple offers, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay with an established company that is more secure. I think I, I have a future here. So I was there for five years total. And okay. I just climbed the ladder so fast because so many people left. So that created okay. a lot of opportunity and I was working super hard. So by the time I got there, between when I was a free intern to the end of my, my career there, I became um, engineering manager for North America laser printing with like 100 engineers in my supervision. And I was in my 20s. Wow. So a lot of these engineers were double my age. Of course, it was hard to tell them that that, hey, you got to do this because they're probably thinking, man, what is this kid thinking? And double your age. I have more experience. But you know what? Thankfully, one thing I've never heard uh, about is what people think about me. And I think that's another big lesson for people listening to this is like, look, you, you do you, 
right? You you focus on your path, on your goal, on your passion, and and just stick with it. Don't care about what family says, what friend says, just especially if it's negative, right? If they're encouraging you, if they're cheering you on, if they're if they're excited for you to succeed and win and try new things, take it. If it's negativity, cut it out. So Block it, put it away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it doesn't Don't serve you, push it out. Let it go. Push yeah. it out. Absolutely. You touch on a few things are very, very important. Thank you, Carlos, for sharing that part of your of your story. It's it's amazing. And you are absolutely right. When the opportunities show up, you better be ready to take advantage of them. You know, like you were ready. You waited long enough, the opportunity showed up, then people left. You had an opportunity to grow and you took it. And exactly. uh, Again, the yeah. last part is amazing where in our culture, and I think you and I spoke a little bit about this um, last time we, we got a chance to talk about our culture. A lot of times we don't see that much support. Um, they see you there, you're doing something different. They try to pull you down, say, hey, 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 don't get too excited. You know, you need to stay here, save, you know, don't don't take too many risks. You know, it, it might be, it might not be the right thing for you to do. Just stay here. It's going to be Okay. And that's something that I really wanted to emphasize today with, with your story is take the risk, you know, go ahead and look for those opportunities because if you don't, then you'll never know. Um, I particularly have a saying, I rather regret doing something and not regret that I didn't take the chance because you yeah. always can say, at least I tried, at least I gave it a chance and it didn't work. But if you hold that opportunity that never took the opportunity to, to try it, then you always be thinking, what if? What if I would have done what this? If I, what if I would have yeah. tried that? And what if does not exist? That's what I that's what I believe. So thank you, thank oh, you. Great. So going forward again, you worked there for five years. Then what was that next move for Carlos? What ended up happening after that? Because yeah, I know so you I share with me, five, but share with I, I worked for there for five years. I you know it was a great job, stable. I felt it was secure until the dot com bubble in Silicon Valley popped. In the in the 2000, and uh, mm-hmm. 9/11 happened right after. And what what a lot of the big companies do when there's a little bit of uh, recession talk, sometimes it doesn't even have to be a recession. As soon as there's recession talk, they start trimming people, and uh, and it's the most expensive resource that companies have, especially big companies, right? So I was giving the really painful task to fire half of my team half of my engineering team with no reason, no explanation, no apology. And it was heartbreaking. I had to get rid of 50 engineers, families, mortgages. They uh, had bills to pay. And in less than two weeks, they were going to be out of a job with with a small severance package. So, you know, I, that was one of the things that hit me so hard that lit a fire in me to say, you know what, I could be the one next. I could be the one across that table just a few years from now where I get the ax and, and, and there's no explanation or anything about. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to put myself in that position. So I started looking for opportunity of how do I start a business? Cause I always had that entrepreneur bug. I've always tried something, right? I trade, I tried network marketing, I trade sales stuff. And what I started doing is I discovered that e-commerce was just being born. And I signed up for an eBay account and started flipping products. I started flipping technology product, toner cartridges, servers, computers, laptops, stuff. And I started making some money. I was buying stuff at a discount 
I was flipping it on the internet and the little business just took off. I was doing it for my little one bedroom apartment close to my, my office. And I packed a little garage that I had in the one bedroom apartment with stuff. And within six months, I was replacing my income from HP. So I was like, wow, you know, what if I could de dedicate 100% of my time? Because this was like, I was moonlighting at this business. I would get off work mm -hmm. like at six, uh, eat a quick dinner, start at seven and finish at one or two in the morning, be up again at five, put a couple hours in and then go to work. And, uh, you know, in six months, I was able to replace my income, left HP. People thought I was crazy. Thank, thank God my, my family didn't think I was crazy. My family actually encouraged me and said, man, if it's working for you, go for it. Uh, but my, my old boss thought I was crazy. Uh, my engineer uh, supervisors and my, uh, my, my employees thought that I was like loony. They're like, oh, you'll be back. And I'm like, I, <laughs> maybe. But, maybe. you know, I always have this backup if it doesn't work. So I left, right? Left the security of a job which many of you guys know that there's really no security in a job. And I started my little business. And then I moved back to Colorado because the Bay Area was super expensive. And mm -hmm. I could never see myself buying any real estate there. And I, and I was, even back then, I was thinking real estate. So I moved okay. back. My mom had moved to the U.S. because uh, she married someone that, that uh, lived in Colorado. And uh, I rented a room, I rented a garage. And then a month later, I hired my mama. I hired my stepdad. I met my wife a few months later. I hired my wife for, for my third employee. And then the business took off. We graduated from the garage to a little warehouse, to a bigger warehouse. And then I had the chance to buy my first commercial real estate deal because I needed it. I needed a warehouse for my business. And, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was a very hard transaction because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to yeah. buy commercial real estate and I was guessing and I was hoping that my broker will teach me, but he was not in it to teach me. He was in it to make his commission. So he was trying to sell me the most expensive thing instead of the stuff that would actually, you know, work for me. And, you know, thankfully I, I, I got smart, figured out uh, that he was in it not to help me, but to earn his commission. And I ended up firing my first commercial broker. That was my first commercial broker that I fired because he was trying to sell me into a big warehouse that was way too big, way too expensive. I probably would have lost that deal if I had invested because I was not financially capable at that point. And I ended up buying this beautiful 1950s, 50,000 square feet warehouse here in Denver, only five minutes away from, from my house that today is our distribution center. So my little business grew from a, from a little one bedroom apartment garage to a 50,000 square feet building within five years time. And uh, we've been there for 12 years. It's another one of my big businesses that I have right now. So we now have the e-commerce, the logistics business, the marketing business. I uh, started a printing company in honor of my dad that passed away a few years ago. And that business is also doing really good. And of course, over the years, I became a real estate investor. I, there you I, go. I, I we're going to go next. That's the that's part that I'm super excited about sharing. But you yeah. touched on something that I wanted to emphasize. You said about creating different businesses. And a lot of times, again, in our culture, we get scared not even leaving the job, but nonetheless, to go and start up not only one business, but two, three, four. I, I already counted four. 
So how do you get into that? I mean, what what did it took you to say, okay, if I have one going, I can start the next one and I can go into the next one and it might go hand by hand, right? Sometimes. Tell me, how did well, that how did that came about? I'm glad you asked this question because sometimes people do too many things at the same time. And when I tell this story, people think, oh man, he was doing like five businesses at the same time. No. Every business that I've started, I've done only one thing at a time. So when I was doing my e-commerce thing, it was my e-commerce thing. I was thinking about it 24-7. I was focused on it to grow, 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 grow. Build the team. Delegate what I didn't want to do. Like I did it all, right? I started from sweeping the floors to packaging the, 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 the products to answering emails, customer service. I did everything. But what I think I've been good at over the years is delegating. Finding people that are good at what I don't want to do, put them in the right spot and teach him and train him and lead them. And then that makes me free to go do what I do best, which is growth, strategy, sales, and continue to do that. So every single one of these businesses that we talked about, the e-commerce, the logistics, the marketing, the printing, I started it. I built it to a point where now I had managers running the show. They needed very little of my help to continue to grow and maintain the business. And then I've gone to the next thing. And they're all complementary businesses. I've never started, you know, I, I, I didn't go and start a restaurant because You're the right. restaurant didn't complement my one thing, right? The e-commerce needed a warehouse that shipped products and stored products. So I started the fulfillment to help my e-commerce and it became a big thing on its own. The printing I needed, I was, I was, I was buying a lot of our customers were like, Hey, where do I buy this, these stickers? Where do I buy these labels? Where do I buy this stuff? And I'm like, you know what? We can do that. I, I know how to print. I grew up in my dad's office watching him. So we bought some machines, hired some people, and now we became a printer. So every single one of those businesses became a complementary thing to the other. The marketing, same thing. I was like, you know what? I need to become good at marketing because businesses without marketing don't grow and many times fail because they're only hoping and praying that some referrals will come through the door. So all of these were complimentary things. And then, you know, that led me Amazing. to bigger opportunities. Amazing. You touch on a delegation. We have to utilize other people's um, talents. You know, everybody has different talents. And I've always believed that we need to surround ourselves with the right people in our businesses will grow. And again, you yes. have to learn from the beginning to the end. So you know how to teach someone else to do it, but you do not have to do it all. And that's something that I've learned over, over the last years and I had gotten better at delegating. So thank you for sharing that part. Now, is there anybody in a specific, Carlos, that you feel was the biggest influence as you were going through your career and you're opening up this business? Do you had any type of mentorship, uh, coaches? Is there anything you, you got help? in terms of getting all this stuff going going and, and putting them into into place? So that that I think was probably one of my downfalls, Bertha, and, and it sounds like it's not a downfall, mm-hmm. but one one bad habit, like I always say this, my my dad was an amazing hardworking man. And I picked up some of his good traits, like the persistence, the perseverance, the, the like the grit, the hard work, but I also picked up some of his bad habits. And some of the bad habits where he never asked for help and he never found a coach or a mentor. He never had any partners. 
So I, I kind of indirectly picked up on that. And for the first 10 years or so of my career, I thought like that. I don't want to have a partner. I don't want to have a coach. I don't want to be mentored by anybody. I don't want to have anybody else. And I don't want to ask for help. So much so that I never, ever borrow money for my business. So that limited my growth. Even though even though right. people, man, I bootstrapped it. 100% bootstrapped it. The most credit I got was from my credit cards. I would, I would, you know, I would buy them, pay them off every month, right? So they became a tool just to float some, some, some cash. So for the first 10 years of my business career, I struggled. I had success because I was like persistent, like you'd never believe, but I struggled because I never had anybody that I can pick up the phone and said, Hey man, you probably know an answer for this. What, what is the, what, what do I do? So I had to make mistakes. I had to learn from errors. I had, I lost some money in some deals. And at some point, once I became, you know, somewhat successful, I hit a limit to my success. And as much as I could try, I kept hitting that limit. And I was talking to myself and thinking to myself, you know, why can't I go over this, this limit in my sales, in my business? And, and I started reading more books. I started getting some more information. And in one of the books, I said, you know, the way to break through this limiting points and beliefs and ceilings in your business is you got to get around people that have had more success than you. So then the light bulb goes off and I'm like, shoot, I need to start going to masterminds, to conferences, to meet some people. I need to go find some mentors because my only mentors up to that point were my, my books, my tapes. I was an Amway distributor. So one thing they did good there is they said, Carlos, you got to listen to a tape every day. You got to read a book at least once a month. And, and you know what? I was a good student. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. But I didn't have a coach. So it took me 10 years. So if I would do something again, I would have gotten a coach right away. I would have invested the money, the time, the effort, the energy to get somebody that already had what I wanted, guide me and show me. And uh, eventually I found some coaches in the e-commerce space. I started following a few very successful individuals and that exploded my e-commerce business because now I was using, I was basically borrowing, borrowing their, their techniques and their strategies and their mindset. And that took my business to a whole new level. So from barely a few million dollars in sales that we were doing, we hit eight figures in many of our businesses. Then I, in one of those masterminds, I networked with the right people. I started a supplement company in with a guy that I met in one of those in the, actually not even a guy that I made in one of those things, a referral from a guy that I met in one of those conferences and that company grew from zero to eight figures in 18 months and we sold it. So, you know, imagine if I had for the first 10 years done also that probably be, you know, 10 times where I'm at today, but I'm telling you the story because I don't want you to make the same mistakes I made. And we've all successful people made mistakes and a bunch of them. Yes. And being vulnerable, sharing the stories, because a lot of times, you know, our ego doesn't allow us to say, hey, I, this is what I felt. These are the things that I could have done better, but you know, it was too much in my ego that I'm not going to admit that I made any, any mistakes. So that's great. Thank you for sharing that part. So obviously again, perseverance is amazing and learning 
networking and mastermind. I, I truly believe in the mastermind. Um, it's referenced on Napoleon Hill book, uh, Think and Grow Rich, where, you know, when two minds come together and start sharing ideas, collaborating, great businesses and great ideas will come up. And again, you get to share those. And the more you share with, with others and the more you learn. And that's obviously something that it looks like you're definitely doing amazing nowadays with that. Um, how did you get into the, the now the business that you're really, really passionate about, uh, which is, yeah. again, touching into the multi-unit business? Tell me where did that started? I know you already shared yeah. with us about buying your first commercial uh, and the experiences you went through. But how did this came about that you one day woke up and said, I am going to do this? How did that came yeah. Look, I, I think there's two pivotal moments. And one of them is when I sold my business, I had some liquidity. I had some capital because of that sale. Mm -hmm. And Bertha, I would have thought, and most people would have thought, man, you've made a, you made some money, you know, and, and enough for us not to work for the rest of our lives. Let's just put it that way. And I made mm -hmm. some money and you would think that that would give me peace. And, and it would see, oh, cool. It's there. But instead, it gave me anxiety because I, for the first time, have enough liquidity in the bank that was doing nothing. And I realized one of my shortcomings. I had learned how to make money. I was good at making money. I had learned how to save some money because we were very frugal along the way. You know, even to this day, we probably live 30, 40 percent of, of below our means, if not probably in the 20s now. Uh, because we we're not very material people, right? I, I, I don't drive a Lamborghini. I don't drive a Ferrari. I don't wear a, 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 I don't wear a Rolex. You know, I, I like simple things. I, I, I like to travel. I like to spend time with my kids. I like to go out to dinner. You know, it, it, it's simple things and pleasures that I like. Um, maybe maybe one day I'll, I'll I'll rent a Ferrari or one of those things, right? Because I do like cars. But you know what? I I I felt. Wow, what do I do with it? And so I realized that I didn't until that point learn how to invest my money, how okay. to put it to work, okay. how to have it multiply itself. Because you always hear, right? Put your money to work. Make money while you sleep. Yes. Learn how to make money while you sleep. But but sometimes that means us in our business. It doesn't mean our money working for us. And that's a whole different level. When you learn how to become a good investor, then you're not only working for your money. And saving your money, but your money's working for you and you're truly multiplying your wealth at an accelerated fashion. And then for the first time, I learned the concept of net worth. And I started focusing on, you know what? I need to, I need to increase my net worth. Because up to that point, the only thing I knew was, oh, I got good credit and I have some money in the bank. But no one ever had taught me about net worth and the importance of net worth. So I started focusing on that. So then I realized and I started analyzing and we all have to analyze and look back at what we've done that has worked and hasn't worked. And I realized that over the years I had been accumulating some properties, right? Small properties, residential, Airbnbs, duplex, triplex, my commercial building. And I had never lost any money in a real estate transaction. So I'm like, you know what? I've lost money in my business plenty of times but I've never lost money in real estate. Mm -hmm. Why don't I become really good at this real estate game? And I started studying and I said, oh, which is the best 
asset class that grows the most. And I started just doing math on what I could go do that could increase my net worth quicker. And that's how I found multifamily. Because then I realized about how commercial property increases in value versus residential property. And when I did that math, Bertha, that really, I, I, I like to say that, that that hurt me for the rest of my life because I could not unsee it. Once I saw it, I could not unsee it. It kept me awake at night. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, it, it was crazy. I grabbed one of these things and I said, hey, you know, is this really real? And I, in the beginning, I thought it, 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 it's, it's too good to be true. But, you know, I grabbed my calculator and I said, oh, what if I buy a hundred unit building, right? hundred unit building. And I increase the rent by $200. That's $20,000 of extra revenue a year. And I'm sorry, a month. And I multiply that by a year. That's $240,000 of extra revenue a year. How much does this increase the value of a building? And then I did the math on that. And you divide by four and a half or five. And that's $5 million of value that you can increase in a 100-unit deal with $200 in rent. So when I saw this, I was like, this is it. I found the vehicle. What do I sign? What do I need to find this 100-unit 100, 100 project, right? <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. I was like, look, if this math is real, and then I went on a hunt of confirming if the math is real. And of course, I found plenty of people, plenty of books. I have a shelf full of books here that, that, that I read about multifamily, right? And, 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 and I, I probably read 10 books about multifamily, invested $150,000 in my multifamily education in less than a year. And I was like, you know, this is it. So I become an expert at it in a very accelerated fashion. And I stopped buying the small properties. I stopped, I started going after the big properties. And I got okay. my first $20 million deal on the contract. And, you know, that's that's how this whole craziness started. <laughs> that's amazing. Great story. Now, let me ask you, for someone looking at our, our interview today that has obviously maybe not enough money, uh, as you mentioned, you had liquidated a business, you had extra extra money that you started thinking, what do I put it to work for me? But let's say for the average person, they're like, okay, I might not have that right now. Where can they start? Like if you have someone who says, hey, Carlos, I love that idea. It sounds amazing. Where do I start? What can I do? Can you give us a quick scenario? What would that look for someone that might not have access to as much money, but has some money maybe? I'll give you multiple ones. I'll give you, I'll give you two because some, right. because I was also thinking, I was also thinking, you know, how big is my wallet? Right. And I had to think <laughs> right. beyond my wallet. I had to think beyond my wallet because, mm -hmm. guys, I, I didn't have enough money to close the $20 million deal that I did. I had some yeah. of the money, but I didn't have it all. So you got to just think beyond your bank account. That was the first step. Think beyond your bank account. Because when you think beyond your bank account, your brain, which is a gift that God gave us that is incredibly powerful beyond what you think it starts getting creative and you start yes. pushing yourself to places that you didn't even believe. And I'm sure you relate to this. Like when you have a problem at hand and you maybe at first don't have the answer, but you keep thinking about it, hinting about it, thinking about it, eventually it's like, Oh wow, I got it here. Here's, here's the solution. 
So the first tip for people that don't have enough money or not or not enough money is find partners that have the money but don't have the time. Okay, go find somebody that likes real estate, wants real estate, but maybe is too busy doing something else, their business, maybe they're a professional, a doctor, a surgeon, an engineer, someone that is interested and build a strong relationship and you become good at the real estate, really good at the real estate so that they trust you enough that you're going to do a good job. And now they, now you're using their money to fund your deal. And that could be one or multiple, right? Okay. Because look, everything you want or need is in the hands of other people. And oh. some of those people are strangers to you. Most of those people are strangers to you, by the way. The hardest group to work with, and this is a public announcement for everybody, is your family, guys, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Your, your family is the toughest crowd, guys. Strangers, interesting enough, opposed to what we might think, are easier to work with because they only see what you present to them. And then, of course what you show them as your track record and performance. Your family knows you many times since you're a little baby and and, and maybe a a noisy kid in the the (laughs) neighborhood, right? So they're still thinking about you in those terms, even though you've shown them that you've grown and you've become better and all that stuff. But, you know, it's that complacency that, that familiarity brings. So for people out there that don't have enough money and want to do bigger deals, look, go look for the deal. Learn how to analyze the deal. Study it. Invest in yourself, in your education. The best investment you'll ever make is in yourself. Grab a book. Listen to some tapes. Watch watch some YouTube videos. Invest in a mentorship program. You know, do stuff that is going to take you to the next level. And once you're at that next level... to a podcast listen to a podcast like this one where you get to hear yeah. for free from someone who's doing it and is willing yeah. to share 100 100 and then and then once you make those little investments of time energy and money then you're gonna start realizing oh wow i think i can go find a deal that maybe you don't have all the money for but you can start calling some people and say hey look i know that you've done well in your business I know you've done well with your practice. I know you've done well with this. If I find a deal that makes sense for the both of us, can I consider you one of my investors? And you'll you'll realize that more people than not will say, yeah, man, bring me a deal. Let's see a deal. Because people don't have time to go look for deals. Right. And, 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 And that's how I have figured out how to scale my real estate business because now I'm the one in my team hunting for the deals. And then once we have a great deal, I go to busy professionals like Bertha that say, Hey, Bertha, here is a deal. Put some money in the deal. Let me, let's become partners in this deal. And then she gets to invest in my property that she's also now an owner of the property. And that's how partnerships happen. And you can buy something much bigger with someone right after instead of being stuck in the little stuff because sometimes we're stuck in the little stuff that we only have cash 
Right, right. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, um, I, you know, philosophy because it's definitely interesting. A lot of times we waiting for the right time, or like you were saying, wait until we have enough money, and we're limiting ourselves from opportunities like the ones you just um, give us an oh, example yeah. of. So thank you, thank you for for sharing that part. So what is right. uh, that you're working? I know you have a, a really good project on uh, that you're working on. Do you want to share a little bit about where that looks like um, yeah. for anybody who's interested? Obviously. We'll go ahead and put your info as we edit the video and people will be able to contact you and get more, more details and specifics. But what is it that you're working on right now? Love it. Thank you, Bertha. So we are buying Class A properties in Class A locations. The property that we okay. have under contract right now, beautiful property in Lakeland, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. It's one of the richest suburbs in Memphis area. And one of the things we noticed is not only the property is beautiful, it's a mixed use, so it has apartments at the top, businesses at the bottom, so it creates a community feel for tenants and for people that come to the businesses. But I always like properties that are in cities that are growing, that have economic development, that have investments from outside companies, and sometimes even investments from the state that they're in. So when we started underwriting this deal, it's called Lakeland Town Square in Lakeland, Tennessee. When we started underwriting this deal, we realized, oh, surprise, Ford Motor Company is building this $5.6 billion electric vehicle plant 25 minutes away from the property. That is literally called Ford Blue Oval City because it's 4,000 acres of manufacturing of electric batteries and electric vehicles because Ford is pushing super hard to compete with Tesla and all the other electric car companies to, you know, be one of the number one sellers of, e of electric vehicle cars. So they have this $5.6 billion investment. Then we find out that the state of Tennessee invested $900 million in this project, which is their largest investment in the history of the state. Okay, the t Tennessee has never invested so much money in one single corporate project. So once you have the backing of the government, big corporate giant doing this, you know it's a good thing, right? It's not going to stop. They're already building it. They they have to deliver the first electric truck out of that manufacturing line in January of 2025. So it's it's a sure thing, and they're going to bring 36,000 jobs to the area. And what happens, Bertha, so when there jobs come to the area? The real estate just goes like oh, this, yeah. right? Because they need, they need uh, homes, they need apartments, they need a place to live, and they're competing with each other to relocate to that area because the jobs at the plant are so good. So, right. you know, when we saw that and we underwrote it, and we are very good conservative buyers, we underwrote it very conservative. It cash flows right now, it makes money right now. That's another thing that I've learned over the years. I don't start new companies anymore. I did that already for my first 15 years. And it's the hardest thing to do, guys. 90% plus of new startups fail in the first three years. What I do now is I acquire businesses that are already cash flowing, that are already making money. And what I do is I take over and I just manage better. I sell better, I market better, I optimize expenses, I provide better amenities. And these multifamily properties are a business. So if you take over and just do a better job, the extra income, like I showed you in the rents, explodes the value of the property. So that's what we do now. 
That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all those pieces of wisdom that you have acquired over the years. Um, is there one thing you'd like to share with us that you will wish you knew that now that you have been in the business this long, uh, do you wish you knew when you started? Is there anything that you're like, I wish I would have known this and it would have saved me this or that? For for the real estate part? The real estate or even on the other businesses. Is there any one thing that you said, I wish yeah. I would have known that part that it would have saved me time, so, money, headaches? Get a coach, guys. Get a coach. There you Get go. yourself a coach. Yeah. Get yourself Invest a coach. Invest in yourself. Invest in yourself, get yourselves a coach. And please, if you invest in your coach, please make sure that you're accountable to that coach. It doesn't matter if you invest a lot of money. If you don't keep yourself accountable to that coach and humble yourself to listen and take action and apply what you're being taught, might as well don't have a coach, right? You, you need to come with a commitment. That The investment needs to come with a commitment. That I'm going to do what that person tells me. I'm going to implement. I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to take the action that they asked me. Because if they were able to achieve the success that I want, then they have something and they know something that I don't know. And I have to follow those footsteps. Copy that success. So that would be the one thing that I would recommend people to do is like copy people that are already successful. And don't be afraid to invest in yourself to get yourself a good coach. And stick with it. You know, I've I've hired coaches in almost every area of my life, in in my financial, in my in my finances and business, both in e-commerce, logistics, real estate, in my fitness. I've hired coaches for many years. In my in my diet, I have hired coaches for many years, and you know, even 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 in my in my relationships, communication, speaking, I have a coach for speaking. Yeah. I have a coach for relationships. I, I wanna I wanna hire a coach to become a better dad. You know what I mean? Look, there's there's people out there that are better fathers than me. I want to learn how to do it from the experts. It's it's not beyond Absolutely. me to humble myself and learn because that's the biggest hack. Invest some money in yourself. And most people, Bertha, you know this, they don't invest any money in their in their education once they graduated from college or high school. Yeah. Absolutely. You just nail it. It is so true. People pay for college, paid for that education, but then they graduate and they think it's done. And and also that's just yeah. the beginning because the real world comes once you're out there and in the real world getting jobs, you know, finding those businesses that you're gonna get into. And and like you said, it's very important to humble ourselves. And again, that's something super, super important that I believe in. Coaching is a must. If you are not gonna be committed, don't get a coach because then you might as well, like you said, don't get a coach. Exactly. <laughs> what is exactly. the ultimate goal that Carlos wants to accomplish? What does that look like? What is it? My ultimate goal is to get to this level, to accomplish this part of success, if that is what you're going after. What is what is that ultimate goal for Carlos? So, Bertha, in, inside of the next five years, I want to build a $1 billion multifamily real estate portfolio. Now that's the number goal, but in order for me to do that, I need to build a world-class team that is capable to go do that with me, number one. And number two, because it's a business that requires other people to come partner with us, invest in our, in our deals and grow, I want to help a lot of families start creating wealth with real estate. Because you've, you've heard it just as I have, 
if you help enough people be successful, you'll be successful yourself. And this multifamily really, is that, is that, right? It's like, hey, if I help a family that has some money saved up and doesn't know where to invest it, and I help them invest it in a real property, a real asset that is growing, that is cash flowing, that is multiplying, that is giving tax benefits, then I've helped one family change their financial future. So that's the way I see it. I'm in a mission to change the financial future of as many families as I can for the rest of my life. Hopefully that's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions to help them create some more wealth via real estate and at the same time help more people find that this is even available because most people don't know they can invest in large real estate. And uh, instead, they're speculating, they're gambling their money, right? They're investing in cryptos, they're invested in stocks, they're invested in mutual funds. Even 401ks are, are sometimes tricky and IRAs are tricky. You know, real estate is where it's at. Rents in this country have gone up for 75 years nonstop. And that's what I'm betting on, that they will continue in that pattern. And most people, even common sense tells you, look, what... They're not stopping making people, right? Especially us Latinos. We make a lot of people. <laughs> so <laughs> those people need housing. They need to rent. They need to live somewhere. And, a place you know, to live. Where, yeah, a place to live. That that's that's what the business is based on at the end of the day. Yes, yes. You you definitely had I got chills as you were talking about it because that's one of my things. I always feel like the more people you help, the more you're able to help yourself. And if you focus on helping results, yeah. success, money, well, that's automatic flow because now you're you're actually focusing on, on what's more important, which is people. People have the money. So we need to treat right our people and, and everything else will fall into place. Um, I love, love, love all the content, all the ideas you've given us today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we wrap this up? Again, thank you so much again for sharing your wisdom. It's, it's amazing to have people like you in our community. They are willing to say, hey, this is how I'm doing it. This is what I did. You can do the same. Don't limit yourself. Don't sell yourself short. There is opportunities out there. Go find them. Go find the right people to partner up with. Go ask questions. You know, a lot of times we, we always talk about, you know, in order for you to learn something, you need to ask. If you never ask, you'll never know. And if you 100%. never ask, the answer is always going to be no. But if you ask, they might say yes. And, and that's my philosophy. If you never ask, you never know. And if you never ask, the answer will always be no. So what will be your final thought? What is the one thing you want to you know, share with us as we're wrapping this up? You know, I think one of the things that always comes to mind is doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter if you grew poor, you grew wealthy. You had a good family, a bad family, you struggled. It, it doesn't matter. You can change your circumstances. You are, not, you are not defined by what happened to you in the past. You are defined by what you decide to do today. The action that you decide to take today. Yes, are you going to struggle? Sometimes distancing yourself from bad experiences and a bad childhood or a bad situation or anything that might have happened. But at the end of the day, look, there's opportunity everywhere you look. And the key is surround yourself with good people. Go find positive, encouraging, successful people that are willing to pour 
into you. And even if you have to work for them for free, you guys, I worked for free for so many years, first for my dad, then for the college, then for Hewlett Packard, a few of my mentors I've helped at no cost. And I'm going to eventually write a book called Working for Free Made Me a Millionaire. Because even that, you know, what I was getting in return, it, it, we, we have this mindset that, oh, I, I put an hour, I need to get paid for an hour. No. In those situations when I was volunteering my time, I was learning. I was getting, I was getting paid. How was I getting paid? Not with money currency, with knowledge currency from people that were more successful than me. So take advantage of those opportunities and be willing to learn, learn, learn. And when you learn, please don't stop at the learning. Take action on what you learned. Because there's a lot of people that are book smart in this world, but they never are willing to take the step to actually grind and take the step to put it into practice. You have to be willing to put it into practice, especially as Latinos. We're super hard workers, super hard workers. We're committed, we're dedicated, we're passionate people. Sometimes what's missing is that mentorship factor of us saying, you know what? Yeah, man, I don't know it. I don't know what I don't know. Let me go lean into people that know more so that I can learn and go to the next level and go to the next level. And eventually, instead of only working so hard, which I don't think will ever stop, you know, this Bertha, we'll never stop working hard, but now we're working smarter. We're making our time multiply. We're having our money work for us. We are more, we're scaling more, we're more efficient. And that's when you truly get to the next level because all of you deserve financial freedom, peace, to go do whatever you want, right? Whatever your passion is. Business at the end, real estate at the end is just a vehicle. A vehicle for what? To give you enough freedom so that you can be with your family, have peace, enjoy the things that you like, and you don't have to worry about the money thing because the money thing is going to keep coming in even if you stop working someday. So yes. that's what I recommend to people. If you want to learn, guys, just follow me on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok. Where I'm everywhere. Carlos Alguero is my name, and I'd love to help you and encourage you and edify you and empower you to go do better. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you again. This was amazing. Um, I know tons. I, I took so many mental notes that I'm going to go back right now and start writing them because you definitely dropped some huge, huge points that can, they can help our business and can help our lives. So thank you again for their time. Thank you for being you keep giving. And again, anything will come back like always does. Thank you, Berta. Pleasure to be here with you. you. See you soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to the level up podcast. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, you can leave a five-star review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Until next time, we hope you level up.